The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. I was in Israel about 10 days ago, and I was offered to go to a Shemitah farm. And of course, I agreed. I went with my wife. It was a half hour out of Yushalayim. The settlement was called, it was a Moshav called Azariahu. This was a settlement which was purchased 70 years ago by 30 families, and they built a neighborhood there, and in their backyard is farmland, huge parcels of farmland. The names of the streets in that moshav was Heita, uh, Seora, uh, Rimon, Temarim, Zayit. I had to go to Zayit Street to meet this couple who has a farm, and they're keeping Shemitah Halacha. We went there, it was pouring, raining. We were greeted by cows mooing and dogs barking and chickens. We finally made it to the house, 14 Zayat Street, and we went in. And there was a middle-aged couple, I guess they were in their 40s. And he says, he only talks Hebrew. And he says that he's a third-generation farmer. His grandfather started out here in this farm. And actually, this house was built by his grandfather. She speaks English, perfect English. She's an American. Uh, you know, she's wearing a baseball cap with the ponytail sticking out. And she's talking a perfect English. And she says that she's from Massachusetts. I said, Massachusetts? Yeah, where does your family live today? Uh, they live in, uh, in uh, Lawrence, New York. Lawrence, New York? Wow. Dude, wouldn't you want to live in a beautiful city like Lawrence? No, I would never give this up for anything. Now you'll hear why. These people sit me down, my wife and I, and they tell us that they never really kept Shemitah to the last Shemitah seven years ago. What did they do? They were Somech on the Heter Mechirav, selling the land to a goy. And he said that it was his wife who pushed him last Shemitah to keep Shemitah to its fullest. Uh, he was scared. He was hesitant. Um, at the end of the day, she persevered. And she got her way, and they decided to keep Shemitah. The Keren Shri'it, this organization that comes down to help you out, they raise millions of dollars and they help farmers who keep Shemitah, came down there to see the operation. They have a very big farm. Maybe they have a hundred dunam over there or acres, I don't know what it is. And they went out to see the farm if they're really keeping Shemitah. All of a sudden they noticed that there are eggplants growing in the ground. So he says to the farmer, what are these eggplants? He says, well, you know, I didn't tell my wife I'm growing them. You know, I'm somech on the mechira because I have a, I have a contract with, uh, Sabra. I sell them a million eggplants a year. And uh, it's my panasa. I don't know what to do. He says, well, we can't help you. They help with about a third of their loss or expense, whatever you want to call it. They said, we can't help you because you're growing eggplants. He says, what should we do? He says, you have to shut off the water. So the wife went and she shut off the water. Well, guess what? The eggplants kept growing. For three weeks, these eggplants didn't die. They kept growing. The Canada Shri came down again and they said, uh, what is this? They said, we don't have the water on. They're growing. It's like almost Masse Satan. So they said, well, then you have to poison them. Well, the wife went and got poisoned and she poisoned the eggplants. And they kept Shemitah Kehalacha. For the first time. Now Sabra came to visit them and told them, listen, if you're not going to supply us this year, we can't guarantee you a contract next year. You're going to lose your contract. Well, what can we do? Now they were all worried what's going to happen. They lose this big contract. What are they going to do? They decided that they're going to open an open market. They, they cemented a big area on the farm and they put a gigantic overhang and they made uh, shelving and they're going to sell what they grow retail. Let's see what happens. Crazy, wild idea. 
Okay, Shemitah is over. They start telling. People start coming. And more people start coming. And more people start, start coming. And now it's three years into Shemitah, three and a half years into Shemitah. And guess what happens? COVID hits. COVID hits. They are essential. It's food. And it's outdoors. Everybody wants to shop outdoors during COVID. They got so busy with this farmer's market that they had no time. Everybody was sitting home during COVID doing nothing and they were working like dogs. Now they started planting everything you have in a salad. Tomatoes, cucumbers, carrots, lettuce, everything. And they're selling it and business is booming. Till Shemitah hit again now. Shemitah hit again and now again they're out of business. By the way, Sabra came back to them and said, we want to give you the contract back. Right? During these past seven years. They said, we don't want it. We're too busy. Okay, they did not take it back. Okay, fine. Now, they tell us at the end of Shemitah last year, people started knocking on their doors for Berachot. But they're simple people. The guy's wearing jeans. Okay, she's wearing a baseball cap. And people are coming from Berachot. People from Bnei Brak. People from all over. He says, what is this? As Rav Chaim Kanievsky said, whoever keeps Shemitah Kilchata, the Berachot are mikuyam. The Berachot are fulfilled. So people are coming to me. I said, what happened? He says, well, first, the Hasidic man came with two daughters, with two daughters who weren't married and they were older. He asked, he asked me for a beracha, the lady says. She says, how can I give a beracha? I'm a lady. I got, you know what? I'll pray by the candles for you Friday night. And the man, my husband, gave them a beracha. She says, and I started praying by the candles. Within five weeks, both of them got engaged. Another couple came. They didn't have children for 10 years. 10 years. From the time we started praying and my husband giving the Rebbe nine months and one week later, they had a baby. And story after story after story like this. It was just mind-boggling. Now he puts us in his Jeep and he starts driving us through the fields. I, I'm telling you, you can't imagine. Until you see this, you can never appreciate Shemitah. He, drive, he says, look, these are our vines. You see vines. The grapes are on the vines shriveled, shriveled. Drives us by a patch. Look, those are my eggplants. Dead in the ground. They're dead. Pomegranate trees. Dried out pomegranates on the trees. You're looking at the man's panasa in the garbage. Could you imagine? Imagine if you sell shoes. And you walk by and you see all your shoes in a puddle of water being ruined. How would you feel? That's what this was. It was literally, absolutely just... Amazing. We could not believe what we see with these people, the Emunah and the Bitachon they have. We go back into the house. After the, oh, by the way, they have huge greenhouses, gigantic greenhouses. These greenhouses were caving in. We were going in the pouring rain. We were in swamp. I don't know if we were going to get out from the mud. It was like every puddle was like a lake. We were petrified. He took us right up to the greenhouse. You look in there. Everything is dead. One of the greenhouses was caving in. Won't touch it. Won't touch it. Showed us a piece of land that was roped off. He says, uh, uh, this piece of land is where we do pe'ah every year. We give a pe'ah. It's amazing. You're literally, you're literally living what the Torah says. So, these people are gibore koach. They took us back into the house. I said, how many people are you praying for now? She said, well, now my Friday night takes me over two hours by the candles for all the people I'm praying for, and it's approaching three hours. I said, come on, I don't believe you. They pull out a huge carton, big carton. I don't know, maybe 
two feet by two feet, maybe bigger, and two feet deep. And it's full. I stuck my hand in the mouth. All requests from all over the country for people to pray for them. These simple people, these giborei koach. I see on the farm, there was five donkeys. So what are these donkeys? She says, twice we were zocher to petit hamor. Right? And we don't want to give up the donkeys because only Arabs want them and they misuse them. We, we, we leave them. And then they have three horses. And they have chickens. And they have cows. They're there. Now, normally, you grow food for them and you give it them to eat. Shemitah, nothing goes. You gotta buy them food. He says, the life of a farmer is very different. He says, Shemitah, what's your expenses? You don't have any expenses. My expenses? He says, we gotta feed the animals. There's a law in Israel. If you, if you have workers and you don't pay them, right, when you let them off, right, you lose your agricultural license. We have six workers from Thailand that have to get paid for the year. We lease machinery. We mortgage, we have mortgages on machinery. We lease machinery. He says, our land, we only own the original 30 dunam that everybody got. And we are renting. We are leasing out large parcels of land from neighbors. We gotta pay them that rent this year. He says, where are you gonna get the money from? He says, we believe it's Iveti and Birchati that Hashem is gonna give us Birachah and we're gonna be okay. I said, what do you do now this year? She says, I work down the road this year in a kindergarten, and my husband gives tours. So he gives tours. Yeah, the rabbis told him, give tours and charge. So schools from all over the country come, girls' schools, boys' schools, busloads every day, and they give them a tour of a Shemitah farm, what it looks like. And that's how they're making Parnassah for now. These are really, truly great people. Until you see with your own eyes a Shemitah farm, you can never appreciate what Shmita really is. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.